Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy and friends are resting this week and will return next week. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Hey guys, welcome back. So today we go back into Acts chapter 11. Can you believe that we spent almost 11, um, over a year, on 10 chapters in the book of Acts for a whole year throughout the pandemic. We, we excavated and exposited deeply the church, the early church, as a lens and as an artifact uh, for what God calls the body of Christ to be. Their example both their magnanimity and success and highlights, but also their fallenness and depravity and their bloopers. In this dichotomy, what did we learn about the early church? The New Testament authors clearly did not lift up the apostles as heroes. They recorded by Luke to Theophilus, his friend, who was a seeker, genuinely exploring the Christian faith and the life of Jesus. Luke tells it as it is. And what did we learn? We learned that, yes, the early community of faith, the apostles and the early church, were uniquely positioned and empowered by God, but they were not spiritual giants. Not at all. The New Testament does not write it that way. The New Testament clearly wanted to make sure, and I say this often, to make sure there isn't any ambiguity to the actual who the actual hero is in this story. The story of Christianity is clearly the hero is Jesus. His empowerment, his death, his resurrection, and his great commission. But sometimes we think of the apostles with some misconceptions. Our lens is we look at their highlights and we idolize them and we canonize them in some sense. And they become so lofty in our mind, we believe that's not who we could become. And that's clearly because most people in the church they are biblically illiterate. They haven't read the New Testament. If they think that the apostles were spiritual giants, they were not. They're, they're flawed. And I think, no, there's a movie that really captures this. This dichotomy and this her- heresy. This misconception, well, in the movie Instant Family with Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg says to his wife and his character, to Ellie, and, he's, and Ellie brings up adopting, perhaps, foster kids, teenage foster kids. And Mark Wahlberg says, Ellie, 
people who take in foster kids are really special. They're the type of people that volunteer when it's not even a holiday. We don't even volunteer on holidays. Mark Wahlberg's argument for why they should not attempt such altruistic endeavors is because of their inherent mediocrity. <laughs> he creates a dichotomy, and I think it, it is funny in many ways because this dichotomy maybe is not verbalized, but is internalized. This dichotomy that there are inherently special people separated, called by God, and they were always that way from birth. And inherently mediocre people. For most of us, I think, no one can take better inventory of our hearts. No one can know better than us who we are like, our self-talk, and who we aren't. I think Mark Wahlberg is crystallizing that reality that when we come to something, pursuing something transcendent or larger to pursue in our lives, we go, that's not who we are in here. That's for special people. And then what happens when, when, a, when a goal becomes that lofty, it becomes impossible. So today, that's exactly uh, what I want to explore today. I want to explore the psychology behind this false dichotomy. Those few set apart who are special and those who are inherently mediocre. The book of Acts, especially chapter 11, smashes that notion. The truth is no one is inherently special or mediocre. The truth is everyone begins at the same place. There's a common denominator. All of us have to divide to the lowest number. To the lowest common denominator. And, and the truth is, the history of the church and the disciples and my life, my wife's life, and yours is that we are sinners saved by grace and we all have to start somewhere. No one, disciples, like I have said many times, are made, not born. And so, today, I want to ask the question, what can we do that pursuing holiness actually becomes tenable rather than just a cliche. I know in our community particularly, many of us are moving in different transitions from students to singles, to young adults, to married, to couples, to family with kids. And I think in these transitions, sometimes we get burnt out by religion. And we simply, not because of mendacious reasons, even though those do exist in the, in the hearts of men and women, but we get caught up and preoccupied by life and we stop pursuing God in fullness. We come to this notion of settling and leave the lofty ideas like Pursuing, becoming more like Jesus, pursuing holiness, a holy life, wholly consecrated to God as something untenable, but it becomes a cliche. And then we begin to ignore the things we don't want to do. If that's you, 
and it does happen seasonally. We have to refocus. We have to remember that why we come to this community, why we are a church. Our mission and our vision is very clear. It's to become more like Jesus, to be led more by Jesus, to lead more like Jesus, and to lead more to Jesus. And if that goal simply is ignored and no longer pursued, the church becomes obsolete. It just becomes a community of good people, like a YMCA. The mission is lost. So for this particular series, I pray that you would read Acts chapter 11, pray and pay attention to what God might be re-examining, redoing in your life. Because I believe many of us throughout the pandemic have gotten a little bit sidetracked. It's time to focus again on the goal. The church, as a pastor, I'm called to help you become like Jesus, to pursue absolute holiness. And that's not legalism or indoctrination. I'm talking about a fully surrender life so that you can be whole, not fragmented, so you can have something to offer your family, wholeness in the world. And, and complete your assignment and your purpose that God has for you in his people. So let's go to this text and answer that question. What can we do so that pursuing holiness is actually becomes tenable rather than just a cliche? Let's go and find out right now. Hi, today's scripture is from the book of Acts, chapter 11, verses 1 to 18. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. That is the word of the Lord. So in the beginning, we asked the question, what can we do so that pursuing holiness actually becomes tenable than just a cliche? The first lesson we can excavate from Acts 11 exposit is carefully pay attention to 
the apostles' behavior. And inherently in their flawedness, because there's a xenophobia and there's a racism that starts right at this chapter. And especially in the culture of Asian hate and Black Lives Matter, especially Asian hate, the Jews were what? They were captive to the Roman Empire. Imperialism is nothing new. Slavery is nothing new. It's unjust and wrong, but it's been around and it's addressed in scripture very clearly. No wonder the Jews had what? Animosity against the Romans, especially a centurion, especially a Roman hierarchy, uh, you know, captain of the guard. Peter didn't want to share the gospel with those who crucified Jesus. But that's what we, that's the story we find ourselves here. So what's the first thing? The first thing is look at the apostles' bloopers before their highlights. And you know, I invite all of you to look at your heroes' bloopers before their highlights. If you want to sort of put them on a pedestal, that's why so many heroes are dying today in the church and politics. News cycles are talking about scandals after scandals. And so many people are afraid to have heroes and there should only really be one hero and if someone that you look up to or represents something altruistic like the father in in the church or something lofty a goal whoever you're following whoever has influence in your life if you can't see vulnerability and brokenness and and they don't share that then they're they're definitely hiding and you're, you will be disappointed because leadership is failing at a rate people can accept. And every human being will fail to a certain extent, to a certain degree. Now, in the ministry, there is many different levels of degrees of failure that could disqualify you from ministry. Right? And, and for me, over decades, for many of you, I've baptized you and from college. And, and married you, and now baptizing many of your kids. I try to be level-headed and share with you both strengths and weaknesses of my own personal life. But when you come here in this text, let's read it very carefully. Uh, in verse 1 to 3, it says that the apostles and believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. That's, uh, that's Simon. The captain of the guard. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believer criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. So this is the apostles and the early church. These are the people that the Holy Spirit's fire fell on in Acts chapter 1. These are people that spoke in tongues, prophesied, saw miracles, saw the love of God, saw Jesus pour out his blood for the world. They're still struggling with xenophobia, prejudice, and racism, even after. So let me just tell you right there, right? Just because you become a Christian or you accept the correct theology, we're sinners saved by grace. We're beginning at a certain place. All of us have to begin at the foot of the cross. And so if we have a hard time forgiving sin, any sin, systemic racism, Asian hate, and that we're, 
we're woken to the fact that people are sinners. History is not cyclical. Human nature is. And that's what we find in this passage. What we find is the reality of sin manifesting in real people, even maybe our heroes. That's why it's so critical to not even start the journey of pursuing holiness, where it becomes actually tenable, and not just a cliche, because there are this dichotomy, inherent special people, set apart, and inherently mediocre people, and that's me. That's not true. This, the notion in this passage obliterates that idea, right? Because you see the disciples struggling with issues we struggle with today, and how God changes them, how God begins to work in them and through them. You know, um, this story reminded me of Justin and Riau, they're dating, and Justin is on our worship team, real tall, big guy, like a teddy bear. He, he sent me a note this week on text. He goes, Doc, thank you so much for uh, sharing the messages during the pandemic and also meeting up with me when, when I needed to talk. And, you know, it's really gracious. And um, I remember when Justin came into our community, one of the things I remember um, him telling Rial is when I share my stories of struggle in my marriage, like, um, when we first got married, how we fight, or how one time uh, my wife threw a cereal bowl at me because she was so mad, right? I think the first year of our marriage, and I almost threw the table. Like the Hulk just picked up the table. And we got to these conflicts. And Justin said to Rio, do you, you see Doc has problems too? <laughs> I have a lot of problems. But... Through those 20 years, God has formed me and shaped me. I'm growing. I'm still being, what? God is still working on me. You know, no one comes to wholeness simultaneously. A seed cannot become a tree overnight. Different seasons, the hills and the valleys. That's why it's so critical for those of us that believe in this false dichotomy of inherently special people and an inherently mediocre people. That's not true. The Bible does not teach that. And it could be axiomatic for us, even though we might not verbalize it. It's something we just believe internally. So look at the apostles' bloopers. Look at my bloopers that I share. And know that we all what? have to start somewhere. That's why pursuing holiness is directional and not about what? Perfection. So in your life, have you began, have you stopped pursuing holiness because you just got sidetracked or a de caught in a detour or delayed or have fallen off? And just like, you know, it's not tenable for me. That's not, I don't think that's me. That's not true. The Holy Spirit's calling you back. To come back to the cross directionally. Just like the disciples here got sidetracked and the Holy Spirit began to correct them. Remember? We talked about it in the day of the sun two weeks ago, right? There's a corrective grace. God's grace is also correctional. The rod and the staff comfort me. So I want to invite you today that the Holy I want to pray that the Holy Spirit reveal in you in areas in your life where you said, you know what, this is not tenable. 
and it's become just a cliche. I want you, I want to pray the Spirit convict you today in the areas in your life that you have to fully surrender to God again. Say, God, I want to be the man and woman. I want to become the best you see in me, and I want to become that man and woman that reaches my full potential in my life so that I, my life is not fragmented and I have integrity, integer, right? No fragmentation in my life so I can offer my whole self to my spouse, to my kids, to my friends, to the world. I want that. Do you want that in your life? That's why we're here. If that's not what we're about, I've not given my life to babies and people who don't believe they can change. That, the gospel is not about that. The good news is not your sins are just forgiven. The good news is God is transforming you to become like him. That's why we're here. That's our goal. That's our goalpost. We'll never change that goal. Let's not settle. Amen. So in the beginning, we asked the question, what do we do so that becoming more like Jesus or pursuing holiness becomes actually tenable than just a cliche? Second lesson excavated from this text is, look at how holiness is inherently progressive. Look at how holiness is inherently progressive. And we said that when we come to this passage, we see that the apostles who were filled with the Holy Spirit, by the love of God, flowing with his blood and life on the cross, is still struggling with xenophobia and racism. And Peter, for the rest of his life, struggles back and forth where Paul has to rebuke him. For clearly, he heard very clearly Jesus say, go in the very beginning of Acts, go to Samaria, go to Jerusalem, Samaria to the ends of the earth. What, he, what did Peter and the disciples do? They just ignore that part. We just go to Jerusalem. And remember, when we look through the lens of history, the only reason they left Jerusalem was because of persecution. It's something they really didn't want to do. And that's why holiness is inherently progressive. It's not fixed. It's incremental, right? I mean, if you look at the text, look at verse 9. The voice spoke from heaven. God is always speaking, correcting, rebuking, loving, encouraging, pushing. It says a second time, right? The first time, the second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. In verse 10, this happened three times, and then it was pulled up to heaven again. So God had to what? Again and again, repeatedly, cyclically. Rebuke, correct. His rod had to be corrective. So holiness is what? Inherently progressive. Everybody has to start somewhere. Proverbs tells us that the righteous fall seven times, but they rise again. But the wicked is wiped away when calamity strikes. They just give up because it really wasn't in them. So that's the difference. The real dichotomy is those who still have a heart to want to follow God full-heartedly 
and those who say they give in to the cynicism, I don't want that. That's when your soul expires. That's when there's nothing left to save. But the righteous, and I know some of you right now, you're hearing me, the Holy Spirit's convicting you. There's a faint prompting in your heart that says, yes, I want all of you, Father. I want everything you have for my life. I want to surrender my whole self, my purpose, my destiny to you. I give it all to you again. And that's all you have to do. The, the righteous fall seven times, but they rise again. Your, your heart's desire to follow after God is bigger than your life right now. And that's okay. Because holiness is inherently progressive. I know that with so many leaders falling today in politics and in the church, the, the bar doesn't seem so high. So, And I, could, I guess it could seem like, well, if everybody else is doing, why do I have to be the one? And I've seen this in my own life when my mentor in college, at a Bible school, I was preparing to be a pastor, where he was serious and he looked at me and he said, how many girls did you sleep with? And he's talking about on campus. And I was shocked. I said, none. And he goes, no, no. No, seriously, you can be honest with me. And I said, I said, none. And he said, good for you. And right then and there, I realized a culture which we'll be talking more about in the next few weeks was so low. And so if we glean from those who represent God to us, those around us, sometimes as our benchmark, then we'll all settle. Because in different seasons of people's lives, there are what? There's hills and valleys. There, there's doubt. There's belief. There's highlights and bloopers. That dichotomy, like I talked about in the beginning. And you know, for me, as a young man in college, 21, I remember talking to God, walking, praying. God, I want to follow after you. Because I, personally, in my spirit, the Holy Spirit, you, you give in to me. I want to do this for me. And, I, and you know what? I've been, I've been walking with men and women for the last two decades. And I've seen people, there's lives change for whatever reason. Let me just tell you, if you want to change your life, you want to pursue God, it has to be your own motivation. You have to look in the mirror. It can't be for anyone else. It can't be for obligation or your hero or your spouse. The truth is, holiness is incremental and you have to make a choice, draw a line in the sand and say, God, this is why it's actually worthy because it's difficult, but it's directional. And say, God, I want to give my life, my life wholly to you again. And you start again. The righteous fall seven times, but they rise again. So let me ask you a question as we pause here for a moment. Are you pursuing holiness in your life? As something that's tenable, or is it or has it become a cliche? Because that makes the difference. Do you have a fixed mindset? That there's a false dichotomy, this inherently set apart people, inherently mediocre people, and I'm, I'm just mediocre. I'm just the crowd. 
That's not the Father's plan for your life. No, He wants to work in you and through you. He has given you His Spirit, a new heart in His Spirit to want to follow Him. And if you've accepted Christ, that Holy Spirit lives in you today and is convicting you right now. Okay, so you've stumbled and fallen. You've fallen off the cliff. You've become apathetic. You've been indifferent. Yeah, you messed up. Okay, fine. But what are you going to do now? You're going to listen to the Holy Spirit's conviction to surrender today? Because that's what the Spirit is doing today. He's convicting you, welcoming you to listen. So right now, wherever you are, I want to just give you a moment to lift your hands to God and surrender again. Say, God, I surrender not superficially, not, not I don't want relief. I just want to surrender God my heart. I want to pursue you full-heartedly. I want to surrender everything. I want to love you with my whole heart. Because the good news of the gospel, folks, in this chapter is that no matter how much we get sidetracked or lost, heaven reaches down and pulls us back up. All we need to take God's hand. As you lift up your hands today, take God's hand. Let him lead you directionally because holiness is not inherently fixed is inherently progressive and you can begin again today so let's sing right now and allow the holy spirit to convict us and move us of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. Love you guys. Miss you. See you soon.
My name is Min Young. I'm a member here at 108 Church, and we're so glad that you were able to attend today's service with us. Um, there are a few community news that I'd like to share with you all. The first announcement is about our tithes and offering. We want to remind all of our members here at 180 Church to keep God in the center of your life, which includes your finances. You guys can do so through the online payment method shown on the screen. You can give through Venmo at Church 180, Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv, or if PayPal is your preferred method of giving, you can head over to our website at 180church.tv where there is a link to donate through PayPal. Our next announcement is about our prayer text hotline at 180 Church, which is available on text at 5397prayer and also via email at prayer at 180church.tv. This is a resource for everybody and especially during this difficult time where we need some prayer and support, there is a prayer team that's ready to help you and to pray for all the requests that you may have. Um, if your prayers have been answered, you can also share them on the text hotline and we can celebrate the good news together. Next up is about small groups at 180 Church. These are smaller pockets of our community that meet on a weekly basis where we can dive a little bit deeper into the word and share how the message from that Sunday uh, spoke to us. We have a few different groups that are all meeting virtually now. And if you're not currently connected with a group, you can reach out to Pastor Billy at the email shown on the screen and he can get you plugged in into a group for you. On the topic of community, we also have a number of different social media handles and channels where you can follow us, like us, and love us during the week. We have a Tumblr page at 180BRG where we post a chapter of the Bible a day so you can read through the Bible with us. We also have a Facebook page at 180 Church. Dr. Sammy, our head pastor here at 180 Church, has a Twitter handle at Dr. Sammy Kim. We also have a YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC, where I'm sure most of you guys are watching us right now. And we also have two different Instagram pages at 180 Church and also at 180BRG, where there are really encouraging posts and verses that get shared there. So I hope you guys will follow us there and be encouraged. We also have the 180 Church podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends, where you can tune into a conversation and a dialogue that goes into goes into the word a little bit deeper with Pastor Lydia and Joe Lu, who's a member of our community here. It's always a great time just listening to them um, converse about how the message has spoke to them and has impacted them, and you can see how it can do the same for you. We also have a virtual 180 Cafe on the Discord app where you guys can come hang out at any time in different groups on different channels and it's an easy way to stay connected with the community and also check in with one another. As you might have seen on our social media channels, we launched a care package delivery service called 180 Cares and this is a great way to um, show appreciation and love to the people in our lives that, mean, that may need some encouragement. If you'd like to send one of these boxes or just want to learn more, you can go check out our website at 180church.tv slash 180cares. And lastly, if you've been blessed by our Sunday worship led by Pastor Lydia, you can visit the 180 Church Studios on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Here you'll find a playlist of all the worship songs we've featured every Sunday, and it's perfect for when you want to immerse yourself in worship during the week. That's all of our community news. Once again, we want to thank everyone for joining us this Sunday, and we hope to see you again soon. Bye.